morning. I love hearing your guys' voices when we're singing. This morning I want to talk about how you're not making a big enough influence on the world. Uh, you're not making a big enough impact on the people around you, or at least you're not making a good enough impact. And it's the end of the year, and so you're making resolutions and things like that. And uh, very cool thing for all of you or not, depending on how you look at it. Next week we will start a series on gluttony called The Skinny Glutton. It's a self-titled sermon series. And, and so you can look forward to me uh, making you feel guilty about everything you eat. Uh, no, I, I'm just kidding. It won't be anything like that. We will study the sin of gluttony in the Bible. But but here's the deal. I think that, that as we go into the new year and, and it's all fresh, each of us wants to live better. And, and I think most of us, uh, somewhere inside of us, would hope that we would make a bigger difference on the world around us. And, and I'll tell you this, this is the thing, that happens through the way in which we live our lives. And uh, I've read this, this quote to you before, but I, I want to bring it back. Uh, famous child psychiatrist Fritz Rettel used to say this to groups of parents. Get your paper and pencils out. I'm going to tell you the three most important things you will ever need to know about raising your children. The parents would breathlessly wait and, and think, man, this guy's an expert. Whatever he says next, I'll practice it at least for the next week with my children. And then he would say... Example, 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 example. Ida LaShawn, a family counselor, in a similar way said this, the only way to raise a decent human being is by being one. And a blogger, I think, said it even better. He said, everyone has his or her example. That person may be your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your teacher, or even your friend. Your example is the one who inspires you to achieve your goal. Your example is the supportive one who urges you on. Your example is the one who you admire. You admire how that person behaves. You admire how that person is successful. You admire the way that person copes with life. You admire how that person gets the better of all the obstacles. You admire how that person performs well. In his or her duties. Now, I agree with that blogger that we all follow somebody. And I think that the, the good news and the bad news for us, and, and the thing that I'd like to get across to you today, is that more than likely, in your life, somebody is looking at you, and they are going to try to follow your example. Now, oftentimes you don't see the fruit of that until that person becomes the age that, that you were at when they were trying to follow your example. That happens a lot, right? But, but people are following your example. And here, here's the other thing that I think is really important for us. I think the blogger is wrong in that we choose our examples. I think oftentimes we just kind of follow examples because they're in our lives. The best example of this is parents, right? Most people who come from abusive homes grow up saying, I will never be like my mom or dad, but we see that oftentimes they become just like their mom and dad and, and they continue the cycle of abuse. And, and here's the deal. We are all following examples and the truth is we're probably not choosing those examples if we're not proactively choosing those examples. And then to couple that with the other thing I just said, somebody is following us. And so it becomes very important for us to proactively choose a good example for ourselves to follow so that we can leave a legacy to those who are following us. I can tell you this, I grew up two houses down from my cousin Jared, uh, who used to go to this church and then uh, moved to Atlanta. 
And uh, Jared would follow me everywhere when I was a kid. He would do whatever I did. And, and here's the thing that, that's so fascinating to me is, is I look at him today. I look at Jared and I see so much of myself in him. And, and the problem is sometimes I see the negative aspects of myself in Jared. And sometimes I see the positive. But I realize that it was, I, I've never sat down with Jared and said, Jared, this is the way you should live your life. It's never happened. But I see the influence because he followed my example. And part of me wishes that I would have done a better job of being a good example. And so we all follow examples. And I believe every one of us has at least somebody in our lives that is following our example. And, and so this is what I, I think becomes very important. We need to decide in our minds, in our hearts, the example that we are going to follow. And here's what the big thing is for us today. I think that we should all choose to follow the example of Jesus. And you've heard me say this before. I, I talked about it during the Jesus experiment. We each should say in our minds and our hearts, I'm going to follow the example of Jesus. And I'm going to try to live like him. Now, here, here's, here's the thing. If we don't do that, and this is very important, if we don't do that, we will follow the example of somebody. As we grow and we become older and we go through this life, we are going to latch on to somebody and we're going to try to look just like them. But here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that Jesus lived perfectly. And therefore, I would offer to you that even though he lived thousands of years ago, we should still look at him and say, that is the best example that I can follow. Now, that's difficult, right? I mean, you look at Jesus and you think, wow, that guy, you know, he was born from a virgin, so I'm already not following him too well as soon as I come out of the womb, right? And, and he lived sinlessly, and that's a big problem for me. And he raised people from the dead multiple times, and so that's difficult. And, and he died on a cross for the sins of humanity, and I'm not going to do that. And he rose again, and I probably won't do that in a physical form on this earth. And so Jesus is, is like this great example. I mean, he's beyond what we can follow. But we can look at the moral life of Jesus and we can see things that we can put into practice. Just up front, let me give you a, a couple of them that I think we would be just very intelligent to follow after. I look at the way that Jesus treated the hurting, the disenfranchised, the poor, the marginalized of society. And I think, man, if I would just follow the example of Jesus better, then I would have a greater impact on the world. I look at the way that Jesus, even though everybody wanted a piece of him and everybody wanted to hang out with him and everybody wanted to hear him teach and everybody wanted to, to be able to be healed by him, I look at him and I say, wow, what he valued the most was the time with God. And I think, what if I could just follow that more and I could learn to say, you know, Maybe I won't get as much time with God today as I want, but that's the thing that I will value the most. Here's another one, and it's just, you know, it's kind of more specific and more tangible. I think the way that Jesus valued friendships is something that would be awesome for us to follow in our world today. We're so caught up in the social media and, and the things that we need to do and, and this, this crazy busy life that, that we forget to just spend time with people. And I look at Jesus, who had a much busier life than you, no matter how busy you are. And Jesus was like, hey, I need to get away with these people and I need to spend time with them and invest in them. And I think we would all be good to follow their example. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about 
what the Bible says about the example of Jesus. And I'm bringing back three illustrations uh, that I've given before with those three things over there. And and, and here's here's the thing that I I want you to know just personally. I know what you're going to do when we're done. You're going to say, Chad celebrated Christmas a little too much and he didn't have a sermon prepared. And so he just brought these examples back. That is what you will do. But I am telling you, this is what happened. And so I I think that God wants you to hear this. I am studying, right? And apparently when I preached and I used these examples, it wasn't very good because I'm studying. And I'm like three-fourths into my studying and I'm thinking, this sounds familiar to me. I Ah, maybe maybe I heard a sermon on this once or I thought about this one. And then I realized it was my sermon and, and I had preached it to you before. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to bring some of that back because it seems like God wants some of that. And I've already adapted. But but some of it's going to be a little bit of review. But, but I think, really, that God wants you to hear it. Okay. And so the first passage I want to look at is 1 Peter 2.21. It's one verse, and I'll continue it in a second. It says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. And so here we see that Jesus is the example, and we see that it's connected to suffering in verses 18 through 20. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if you bear up under the pain of unjust suffering because you are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. And so Peter is looking at slaves and he's looking at them and he's saying, Look, I realize that it's difficult for you to continue to obey God when bad things are going on. When the the slave master is beating you and treating you poorly, then it is very difficult for you to live for God. But that is the time, that's what Peter is saying, when you need to follow the example of Jesus, most specifically, because Jesus was able to endure unjust suffering better than any person that's ever lived. And you know the story. Jesus, as he said here, was beaten and, and he was whipped and he had a crown of thorns put on his head and people were mocking him even though he was the God of the universe who came and lived here. But yet, Jesus was kind to those people. So kind, in fact, that Jesus said as he was dying up on that cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And so Peter says, look, you guys are suffering and you don't deserve it. You did nothing wrong and you're suffering. That is the time when you need to follow the example of Jesus most specifically. And I think this was important to Peter. I think that Peter really understood this idea of following the example of Jesus when it was hard because he had messed it up so bad in his life. Look at the life of Jesus and, and excuse me, Peter, and, and Peter starts to follow Jesus about three years before Jesus dies. And he's hanging out with him and he's spending all of his time from him and he's learning from him and he's learning how to follow the example of Jesus and Through the power of Jesus, he's even able to do some of the stuff that Jesus has done, like cast out demons and things like that. And he's following the example of Jesus. And on the night before Jesus dies, Peter says to him, Hey, Jesus, I will follow you anywhere. No matter what it takes, I will follow you. And then they go out into a garden and Jesus is praying. And Peter falls asleep while Jesus is praying. And then the guards come to arrest Jesus because the Pharisees want him dead. And Peter cuts off the ear of one of the guards, not following the example of Jesus. And then it says that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. All of a sudden, he didn't want to be too close. 
He didn't want to be that much like Jesus. He didn't want to be that good of a follower. He follows him, and Jesus is under arrest, and he's undergoing a trial, and, and Peter is hanging out in the courtyard. And somebody says to Peter, Hey, you know that guy. Aren't you his follower? And he says, Whoa, I don't follow that guy. And then they ask him again, and he says, No, I don't follow that guy. And then he asked him again, and he said, No, I, I don't even know who you're talking about. Who's Jesus? And I think that Peter, as he writes this book, First Peter, I think he understands that everybody who reads it will have a difficult time when life is difficult following the example of Jesus and staying close to him. And so I think for Peter, this is very personal. And he's saying, hey, it's easy to be obedient to Jesus when it, when it all works out for good. I mean, when you're seeing miracles and you're becoming a rock star and great things are happening in your life, that's when it's easy. But if you want to truly follow after Jesus, then you need to do it when it's hard. It's really interesting that Peter, at the end of that, he says, walking in, in his footsteps. And, and here's what I, I think is, is crazy, and I think it's, it's so valuable for us to hear. It's the opposite moment for Peter, because I think Peter's greatest moment, and we've talked about this in this church, Peter's greatest moment is when he got out of the boat because Jesus was walking on water, and he said, hey, I'm going to walk where you walk, and I want to do what you do. And so he gets out of the water, and he walks on water. That's a big deal, right? And, and for Peter, I think when he says, hey, Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. What he's saying is, hey, the greatest moment that you can have on earth is the moments when you look most like Jesus and you follow his example most specifically. I mean, for him, it was like a very physical thing. For us, it's probably more spiritual. But he's thinking like, man, when I got out of that boat and walked on water like Jesus did, there was no greater moment in my life. I did nothing cooler than that. Nothing that will be more remembered Right? I mean, we look at the Bible and that's the story that we think of when we think of Peter most of the time. And so Peter looks at us and says, if you will just follow his footsteps and do what he does, that's how your life can be great. That's how you can be a good example to others. Now, what's even cooler is that he uses this word for example that's hoopagraman. And hoopagraman, as I've told you before, and I'll probably tell you again because it's my one of my favorite words in the Bible, means writing underneath. And the picture that it was is that of a teacher trying to show a student how to write their letters. And so they would write it and they would put tracing paper over it. In other words, it means writing underneath. You see that? And then the student would trace whatever the teacher had put down and they would learn to write that way. It was common in the early church. It's like this. I can't draw a thing. Right? I'm horrible at drawing. You can ask anybody who's ever seen me draw. But look, my wife was good enough to draw me a flower. Right? And so what I can do now is I can bend down here, and probably not under pressure, but I can begin to trace what my wife has drawn for me, and it's not going to look half bad. I won't draw the whole thing. And so we see that, I won't keep going, that I am able to draw a flower. Now, it won't look as good as my wife's because she's just an excellent drawer. Whoa, whoa. You can see here, right? Hers is better. But at least, as I trace what she has done, I begin to have something that looks like what she put down for me. Now, Peter is saying to us, the example of Jesus is like us tracing the life 
of Jesus. Doing what Jesus does when it comes to the moral aspects of life and just becoming more like Him. And so here's what Peter is saying, and I think it's so important for us. If you want to be a good example to the world, then what you need to do is you need to trace the life of Jesus with your life. If you want to be a beautiful picture to the world, then you just guessing at at how that looks and how that works and trying to paint your own life is not going to work. But if you will trace the life of Jesus and try to make your life look like His, then you can become a great example for the world to follow. I just want to iterate that that's, I, I think it's so important because, listen, somebody is following you. It might be your kid, it might be your cousin, it might be a friend, it might be a coworker. Somebody's looking at you and they're saying, they're not even saying it, they don't even know probably. They're, they're just trying to copy you. They're trying to be like you. They're trying to trace you. And so the question becomes, are you tracing Jesus so that when they trace you, they're living a life that you would be proud of them for living. So that's the first thing that you need here. Now I want to I want to switch gears here and, and I want to talk about how I think this tracing your life after Jesus is possible. Because if we just say, well, I'm just going to live like Jesus, you know, I'm just going to do what he does, then I think we fight a losing effort sometimes, a losing battle. And instead of that, I think that we can stand a fighting chance if we will look at the other words, for example, in the Bible, and we will see what they have to say about following the example of Jesus. And so, if you would look over... 2, John 13:15. this is Jesus talking. He says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Now here's, here's the moment when Jesus is talking. This is also the night before Jesus is going to die and they're celebrating the Passover, a meal that we talked about last week when the Jewish people would reflect on the fact that God had brought them out of slavery thousands of years earlier. And Jesus is sitting down with his people, with the with his men, and he's about to eat this meal. But before they eat this meal, Jesus bends down and he begins to wash their feet. In verse 14, it says, Jesus says this, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I'll just, I just want you to picture the scene. Here's the disciples who are looking at Jesus. They're saying, you're the Messiah. You're going to be the king of the world, basically. You're going to take over these dirty Romans who are everywhere. They're powerful. They're awesome. They have everything that you could possibly think of. You are the guy, Jesus, that's going to take them over. And we will have this great kingdom on earth. And then here's that same guy. He bends down, right? And he gets down and he begins to wash their dirty dirty, disgusting feet. And then he says, let me read it to you again, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Peter is incensed by this, and he's like, hey, you can't wash my feet, but then he lets him. And and I think that every person sitting there just understood the humility of Jesus. And what Jesus says, look, hey, if you really think that I'm awesome, that I am the Messiah, the Christ, the one that you have looked forward to, and I am willing to humble myself in this way, then you need to become more humble than me. And you need to follow in my footsteps. In verse 16 it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
And so here's what, what I think he's saying. He's saying, look, if you really want to follow in my example, if you want to live a life where you're tracing me, then you must be a person who not just in theory, but in actuality, in your real life, says, Jesus, you are greater than me. I am lesser than you. Now you say, well, that of course. I mean, it's Jesus. You know, they wrote a book about him, and uh, and he's you know the most influential person in the history of the world. And of course, Jesus is is greater than me. But but here's here's what I think we do. I think we look at the life of Jesus and, and we say, well, that was good for him, but but I, I'm I'm too good for that because we think of things like like this, like. Wow, what if somebody needed my help right now, but I was trying to have a restful night at home? Say, well, my life is too important. I I need this rest. I need this time alone watching TV. Well, Jesus, that's great that you weren't too good to not help people out when you needed rest and you hadn't eaten. That's great for you, but you know, I'm I have things to do. I'm kind of a big deal. And so while we, while we say, hey, Jesus, you, you know, you're more important than me, you're greater, it's somewhere inside of us, if we'll be honest with each other, we lack humility and we look at us, me, and we say, I am a bigger deal than you, Jesus. I mean, think about the sacrifice that Jesus made, right? Dying on a cross. It's like the ultimate act of humility. He's like, I will die so that you can live forevermore. That's that's really big. But we so often won't make any sacrifice for any person in our country. I mean, we're not going to hand out money to somebody that needs it. We're not going to take time out of our busy schedules to do something. We're not going to say kind words to somebody because we're afraid of, you know, I don't know, being humiliated or something. We're like, hey, Jesus, that's great that you sacrificed. And that's cool that you saved the world, but... And we wouldn't say this out loud, but this is this is what's happening in our psyche. I'm too good for that. I mean, I know you weren't too good to sacrifice for everybody, but I'm too good for that. What about in the way that we treat people? A lot of times, it's, it, it, people you know make us mad and stuff, and, and then and then we react in anger, and we react and, and we do things that we shouldn't do, and we sin in our anger. We might say something bad or whatever it might be. And I think that, you know, somewhere inside of us, all we're really saying is, look, Jesus, even though they hurled insults at him and stuff, he was saying, forgive them. But me, I'm so important that if somebody insults me, they need to know about it. I mean, I need to let them know that what they did to me is not okay. But Jesus just kept his mouth shut and prayed for those people. And somewhere deep down in us, somewhere that we would never talk about, aren't we saying, hey, Jesus... I think you were wrong when you said that, that a uh, servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him, because I am a big deal. And the truth is, if we are really going to trace the life of Jesus, then we have to be people who say, you're greater than me, and so I want to try to be like you. We must recognize that Jesus is more important than us. And if he was willing to do it, then we must be willing to do it too because we're not a bigger deal than the God of the universe who came down to this earth. The word that Jesus uses, for example, here strengthens it. 
Hupodegman, that's the Greek word for it. And in the Greek version of the Old Testament, also called the Septuagint, uh, David uses this for the plans to build the temple. When he gives them to Solomon, he says, hey, here's my Hupodegma. Uh, he would have said it in Hebrew. And, and this is what you want. we want you to build the temple like. And this is, this is what it's like. It's like this. And you've seen this guy before. He's old. But this is my monster truck. And um, I'll see that. It's Big Brute. I got this the week after maybe or the birthday after, not very long after, we went to see the monster truck show that used to be at the Coliseum and uh, I complained about this last time I brought this guy but I'll complain again. Loudest thing I've ever gone to in my whole life. Uh, if you were trying to like have a conversation with anybody, it's not the place to go. Uh, but it was fun and Bigfoot was there. If you remember Bigfoot, he was blue, he ran over everything and he was awesome and I, I loved him. Um, and uh, this I got because... It was symbolic, it represented, it kind of looked like, minus the wrong color, uh, Bigfoot. And for me as a kid, I looked at this and I thought, this isn't Bigfoot, but it's a, it's a representation of Bigfoot. It's a model of Bigfoot. And so therefore, you know, when I drove it around, I was trying to run over things and, and do everything that Bigfoot do. You can tell by the way it looks. And, and this is what I think it's like. When we look at Jesus, we have to say, you know what? I'm not you. You're Bigfoot. I'm not as good as you. But, but here's the deal. I understand, Jesus, that you're so awesome that I want to be just like you. And so if you run over a car, then I'll run over a car. Because if you were not too good to do it, yeah, then I'm not too good to do it. And, and so when I, when I look at this truck, it just for me, it's like, it's like what we should be for Jesus. We should say, look, you're greater and I understand that, but I think that you're so fantastically awesome that I'm going to try to look like you by tracing my life after yours because you are the master and I am the servant. In 1 Thessalonians 1.7, it says this, and so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Let me give you another translation, uh, just so there's no confusion. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Here Paul is saying to these people in the church in Thessalonica uh, that, that they have become models. That they have, have become models to other people. And this is what we've talked about, right? He's looking at this church and he's saying, you... As a church, a collective group, are a model church. You are an example for other churches on how they should be. And I hope that that is becoming more and more true of this congregation as we seek to follow the will of God in His Word. And, and we look at this, and Paul is saying to these people, you as a group, collectively, have become a great example for other churches to follow. This is a great thing for a church to hear, right? And, and what's most fascinating to me is that Paul elsewhere makes clear that examples, that his example is an example for others through him following Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right? And so he's just saying what I've already said. He copied me. And he's saying, look, I'm trying to follow Jesus and so you can follow me and if you will, then we will have better lives and I will have a greater influence over you. But it's all because I am trying to follow Jesus, his example. The Greek word that he uses is tupos. And when you look at the definition of the word, it becomes clear that it means something like this. A marker impress made by a hard substance on a softer one, or it can mean a blow, uh, which is produced by a blow, the mark of a blow, or something like that. And, and here's what it reminds me of. 
It reminds me of my first baseball glove. This is really it. This was T-ball right here. Almost fits me. It says Chad Harms right on it. I used this glove for a long, long time, actually. And, and, and here's what you need to know about baseball gloves. You buy one, and they don't do this at all. You buy one, and they do this. And it's really frustrating, especially when you're a kid, because you get a new glove, and you're like, hey, Dad, let's go play catch or whatever it might be. And he throws it to you, and he goes... Because you can't, and you're like squeezing as hard as you can. I can uh, shut it, you know, and you get the other hand on it. And and that's what happens with the baseball glove. And, and you can do a lot of different things to make it so that a baseball glove will bend and, and you do some crazy stuff. You put oil in it. I've just punched gloves time after time. And uh, you stick it under your pillow at night. That's a really bad way to do it. And, and you, there's a million things you can do, but the only way as anybody who's ever played baseball can tell you, that you can truly break in a glove, that's what it's called, is by playing catch with it over and over and over. And uh, I remember that me and my dad would go outside, uh, not with this glove, this is before my memories almost, uh, but with other gloves, we'd go outside, and I would say to my dad, and, and he would oblige, I'd say, throw it as hard as you can at me. And we'd sit there and play catch while he would throw the ball as hard as he could at me over and over and over. And what happens is that this glove just gets beat and beat and beat, and eventually, after time, it makes it so that the glove is used to catching the ball, and it starts to bend more and more and more till it becomes a real baseball glove that you can use in a game and this word means basically that means to get worked in and what paul is saying is is that if we want to be examples then we must be people who are getting worked in by jesus if we are going to be something of value and of use to the world, then we have to be people who are being impressed every single day by Jesus and His love and His sacrifice and His greatness. Paul is saying, look, I want you to follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. And I hope that each of us in this room would be able to say that. Would be able to look at people and say, look, if you want to live a better life, a more godly life, then just follow me because I'm following Jesus. And I think Paul is saying that if we are going to do that, if we are really going to be people that have an influence on the world, then it's going to come through tracing the life of Jesus. But that's impossible until we say, hey, I'm not as great as you are. And until we say, you know what, I'm willing to be impressed by you. Over and over and over again. I'm willing to allow you to affect my life so that I can become something of use, something of value. I just I want I just want you to look and think about your life and, and, and this is this is the thing that that maybe is the most important question. Uh Ryder here, um, our resident baby, if you were if you were to look at Ryder, you were to look at your life. And you were to say, Ryder is going to be just like me. Would you be pleased with that? Or would you not be pleased with that? If I said right now, hey, Ryder is going to live an exact life like you are living. It's going to be just like you. Would you go, sweet, because I'm following Jesus, I'm tracing him? Or would you say, oh, pick somebody else? And the truth is, if you wouldn't feel comfortable with that, if you wouldn't feel comfortable with Ryder being just 
like you and the way that you're living right now, then you need to start to trace the life of Jesus by lowering yourself and recognizing His greatness and, and being impacted by Him, saying, I'm, I'm just going to be more like Him. And so my hope for this sermon, I think this is why God brought it back. I mean, I'm not saying anything new. Uh, I'm, well, there's a couple new things. But, uh, but I'm not saying a lot new here. This is something I've taught to this congregation before. But I think God wants us to hear it because, because I think it, it's a big deal. And, and especially as we go into a new year where you're thinking about new stuff. And, and I think what our goal should be, Cast all the other uh, things aside that you want to accomplish, like exercising more and things like that. What, what, you should, what you should say in your head, in 2013, I want to trace the life of Jesus so that anybody that's looking at me and, and following the life that I'm living, I can be proud of that and excited about that. Now, here, here's the other part of this deal, and, and some of you know this already, and, and if you've raised children, maybe, maybe you go, man... You know, when I was younger, I didn't live the way I should have lived. And I can look at people that I've influenced negatively. And, and you know, Chad, I, I, I've messed up already. And, and they're not living the way that, that God wants them to live. But, you know, how can I? I can't go back and I can't change that. And that's true. But, but here's the thing that, that, that I need you to hear. People are still looking at you. And looking at the past and saying, well, I messed it up once is not a good reason to mess up the future. And, and you might say, well, I'm, I'm older. You know, I'm old. And, and who's following my example? Well, I'll tell you who, who's following your example, me, because I'm going to be older someday and I'm going to try to do it like somebody else. You know, I'm going to try to be old like other people because they've done a good job. And, and my hope is that, that every person who's older than me in this church, I, I could follow your example as you age and say, wow, if I just live like that guy, if I just do it like them because they're following Jesus, then, then I'm going to be doing a pretty good job of following Jesus too. And my hope is also that every person younger than me, younger than me in this church, and, and hopefully every person in this church, because God has called me to it as your pastor, could look at my life and say, man, if I, if I trace my life after Chad, then, then I'm kind of tracing the life of Jesus because he's really working at, at living for Christ. And I hope that not just me, but all of us in this room would, would take that approach and say, am I a person who, who I would want other people to be like? And then we would look and, and, and we'd say, hey, if I'm not, I'm going to try to live more like Jesus. It's a big deal. I'm telling you, somebody is looking at you. Maybe you already have them in your head and you're thinking, I know who it is. But uh, somebody is looking at you and they're thinking, they, like I said, they may not be thinking, but they're going to copy you. They're going to live like you. They're going to try to do it your way. And, and I just hope, I really hope that you are looking at Jesus and you are saying, Jesus, you've given me the blueprint You've given me the, the, the lines to follow, and, and, and I just, I'm going to try to draw it your way. I'm going to try to trace the beautiful, wonderful painting that was your life that has so much value to the world because I want to have value to the world. I don't want to burden the world with my bad example, but I want to have value of the world and I want my life to be beautiful. And, and, and so I'm going to do my best and I'll make mistakes, Jesus, but I'm going to do my best to look like you. Will you pray with me? Lord, 
sometimes we're just so flippant about it, God. And, and I mean, it's pretty clear how many different words you use, for example, about you, God, in the New Testament and how clear those scriptures are that, that you want us to try to live the way you live, Jesus. And, and, and yet, Lord, we just kind of go through life. And, Lord, <laughs> the truth is most people in this room, Probably, God, most people who listen online are probably just living the way their parents lived. And, God, for good or for bad, they, they are just doing it the way that their parents have done it. And, and hopefully that's for the good, Lord. But, but either way, God, we find a better example in you. And I pray, God, that we would proactively say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. And, Lord, sometimes we're just so arrogant, God, that... You know, we, we can't lower ourselves to, to be like you, I mean. And I pray that you would take that away. God, remind us that, that Lord, you you were homeless because it was so important for you to spread your gospel. And, and let us have that same type of passion and, and never say, well, you know, I, I can't lower my income for the sake of God when, when you, Lord, gave up everything for the sake of your Father. And... Lord, I pray that you would impress us all the time, that we would be impressed by you, God. And, and I think too many, too many here even, God, in our church, and I love our church, but too many just, just, this is it. This is the time when they're impacted by you is when they come to church, and this is the time when they think about you. And, 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 and Lord, other than when, they, when they're here on Sunday mornings, they're, they're probably not thinking about you too much. And, and I pray that you would change that, Lord, and you would help us to have people, God, who are just impacted by you every day, Lord. And, and I believe that as that happens, God, and you know I believe this, that, that when we gather together, we will look even more like you, and in the, in the dying world, God, will just be drawn to see you, God, because they're looking at this congregation saying, wow, is that what Jesus is like? And so I pray that all of us would be impacted by you, God. Lord, for every every person in this room, I pray that, that in 2013 they would absolutely do their best to trace your lives. And I pray that more. When, we, when we're here, God, next December, Lord, and, and we are worshiping you, I pray that, that they, they could look at your life, or their lives, God, and say, yeah, you know, I've made mistakes this year, but, but if Ryder lived just like the, I'm living right now, then I would feel pretty good about that because I'm trying to live just like Jesus did when he was alive. I pray that for every single person here, God, including me. In your name, amen.